Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Pittsburgh sports fans, welcome back to another episode of Back to the Tunnel. I'm your host, Jeff Harvin, the PM podcast for DK Sports Radio. You can find us anywhere where you listen to your podcast. That's on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Check us out. And today, I have Dave Molinari. He's usually a Monday, Molinari Monday. We all know that by now. Uh, That's usually when he's on the show, but he had a little trouble. He was supposed to be traveling up to the Great White North, that is Canada, and going to Toronto to quarantine himself prior to the start of the playoffs. But Dave, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell the listeners out there what exactly happened with you and your journey to Toronto? Because you're not there. No, I'm not. I'm uh, as of this moment, I'm still in uh, Western Pennsylvania or back in Western Pennsylvania, I should say. Uh, I wish I could tell you exactly what transpired, but I'm still a, a little hazy on some of the details. But in any case, when I got to the uh, Canada border uh, on the other side of the Peace Bridge in Buffalo on Sunday afternoon, I went through the normal entry procedure at what looks kind of like a toll booth with uh, the Canada Customs or Immigration people. Uh, The session lasted a little longer than a normal one. There were some health questions asked, which you know wasn't the least bit surprising. Uh, as always, they wanted to know what the nature of my trip wa- into Canada was, uh, especially since at this time, uh, Canada is not allowing tourists across the border from the US. Uh, you know, I explained it was all uh, pleasant enough. And after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, the, uh, the gentleman manning that booth directed me over to a, uh, a nearby building where other customs and immigration officials were uh, located. Uh, it, because he said it was not clear to him that I had received the necessary clearances to, uh, to enter the country uh, on business because they're, they're only allowing essential workers into the country at this point. Uh, so I, I went into that building, uh, gave a brief summary of my case to uh, someone in there, uh, waited about uh, 15 or 20 minutes while that individual made some phone calls to their bosses and finally was informed that I would not be allowed to enter the country because uh, the Canadian federal authorities and the National Hockey League still had not come to any agreement on uh, the particulars of writers being allowed into the country to cover the games in the, uh, in the hub cities of Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, so I was turned away. At this point, uh, we still have not received, in fact, uh, credentials applications from the NHL, which 
those credentials would have to be approved by the league. And then I assume the league would submit a list of people who have been approved uh, to cover to the Canadian authorities, at which point in theory, I would like to think I would be able to get across the border and hole up in a Canadian hotel room for 14 days, uh, which I was just had it uh, reaffirmed to me by a quarantine official about a half an hour ago, means that once you're in your hotel room, you do not leave it for 14 days. Uh, presumably they'll make an exception if the hotel catches fire. But beyond that, it sounds like once you're in that room, you are staying there until the quarantine has been served. So, uh, it's been an adventure to this point and quite possibly will be more of one as, uh, as we proceed here. It's like the old show. I don't, Dave, I, I doubt you remember where in the world is Carmen San Diego. It was kind of like where in the world is Dave Mar Molinari today. And have you heard of any other writers that have had the same issue that you did that not only obviously not for the penguins, but for any other team, I know you're a very well-connected individual when it comes to the other beat writers. Has anyone else had these issues? From what I've been told by uh, people at the league, I was the first U.S. writer to try to cross the border. Okay. Um, I have not heard of any subsequent ones, but when I, after I informed the league and the Professional Hockey Writers Association of the difficulties that I had experienced, uh, they seemed to be prepared to get out the word to other U.S. writers to not bother trying until all of the, uh, the issues that I encountered had been addressed. Oh, and geez. since they haven't to this point, I, I'm hoping that, that nobody else has tried, but I, I can't tell you uh, with authority one way or the other. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. That's for sure. Um, it, it's, you think that this is something that would have been ironed out before between the NHL and in the, in, united states because obviously plenty of teams from the u.s are in the tournament um but you know what hopefully you'll be there if not i know the nhl is going to try to make it so that anyone you know that has press access will still be in in the zoom calls but dave would you agree it's just not the same as being in the rank being in the arena seeing the play happen in front of you because what you see on television is completely different than what you see when you're there in person i mean how oh, very, very, how, very much how important so i mean is it to be there how important is it well, it is. I mean, you, you have to weigh that against the expense of being there. You know, I, I'm asking the employer to, uh, to pay for 14 days in a hotel room when I basically will be able to, you know, contribute nothing that I'm, uh, other than what I'm able to get over a telephone. Um, you know, that, that requires quite an investment uh, in both time and, and money. Uh, but, you know, there are absolutely benefits to, to attending games because it's, it's simply not possible for a TV camera to capture everything that goes on. Uh, something might happen behind the play, you know, when the, uh, the cameras would be focused on, on the puck carrier as yeah. it should be. But there is something that goes on behind the play, a skirmish perhaps that uh, will have an impact on, on something that happens later in the game. And if you don't see that skirmish, you're not going to be aware that it happened. There, you, it's just being able to see the, the whole rink 
uh, provides a, a lot of context that, that simply isn't possible when you're watching on television. So hopefully you get there. I, I really hope for everyone's sake, for the readers of DKPittsburghSports.com, as well as and just hockey fans in general, I, I have always felt, I mean, this is even before I got into this line of work, that it is important for press to be at games, to be have access. And they've already stripped a lot of access away, not being allowed in the locker rooms. And I get it. I really do. But at the same time, like having reporters there in the arenas or at the field or, you know, in the ballpark is, is really, really important. But you know what? We're not going to spend the entire show talking about that. I want to take a, a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown of the Canadians and Penguins and looking at positionally and even coaching, who exactly has the advantage? Now, by record, the Penguins have a clear advantage because they are on paper the superior team. But I want to give the listeners out there a little bit of an insight, an in-depth look into the Canadians from – everything top to bottom so that they want they're going to we're going to see at least three games with the, these two teams playing once august rolls around so dave let's start with the coaching staff okay we're looking at the coaching staff mainly the head coach go ahead and, and tell the listeners who the head coach is for the canadians we all know mike sullivan for the penguins and then kind of give us a ballpark estimate is he I, who has the advantage in this you know in terms of experience and stuff like that uh the uh coach of the canadians is claude julien uh he's a pretty accomplished coach i'd say he's one of the better coaches in the nhl he won a stanley cup in boston in uh, 2011 he is pretty big on uh i i would say that the cornerstone of his coaching philosophy is good defensive structure but he's not a one-dimensional guy he uh you know, he, he recognizes the importance of, of being able to score goals as well as prevent them. So he doesn't, unlike, say, his predecessor, uh, Michel Therrien, who also coached the Penguins right before they won their, their third cup and was responsible for installing a lot of the, dis, the defensive structure that served this team well over the past dozen years or so. Uh, Julian is not focus solely on, on playing well defensively. Uh, he, his main limitations offensively, I'd say, come in the form of his, his personnel. Yeah. So who has the advantage there? Would you give it to, I mean, he said he's a very accomplished coach. So is Mike Sullivan. Who would you give the advantage to in terms of the coaching? I don't think there's any pronounced advantage okay. one way or the other. Uh, Claude Julien has a little more experience. Mike Sullivan has a one more cup. Uh, you know, it's but it, I, I I don't think that that the series will the outcome will be determined by coaching. It rarely is. And so let's get to the players that are actually going to determine the outcome. And that well, let's start with the forwards. My gosh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, when, with Jake Gensel back in the lineup, the additions of Connor Sheary, Zucker, um, Patrick Marlowe, they are – let me ask you this, Dave. When was the last time they've been this deep at forward? It's been a while. It's, uh, they are quite deep. And, and, you know, some of this depth wasn't even by design. If, they, uh, if not for, for losing Jake Gensel for what at the time seemed like at least part of the playoffs, uh, they probably wouldn't have gone out and brought in Jason Zucker. Uh, 
whether they would have tried to add Patrick Marlowe uh, isn't clear. I, I suspect they would have at least been interested in him because of his, his experience. But uh, as, as it is, they really have a, uh, a bounty of, of forwards who, who play on the top two lines who, who can be expected to contribute on a regular basis. It's, uh, they have, uh, they have a, a wealth up there, which is not something you uh, necessarily could say about the Canadiens. Well, let's go to the other side and let's talk about the Canadians forwards because they have some um, like uh, Domi, who is not even sure if he's going to play. He's a type one diabetic. And that's obviously an issue in terms of the coronavirus and, and underlying health conditions. Who else do they have as forwards that Penguins fans should know? Well, probably. And, and the best thing I heard about the, the Canadians forwards, I think, was from a Montreal writer with whom I was speaking recently, who said that if you had the Canadiens number one line as your number two line, you're probably a pretty good team. Uh, that line for, from left to right is uh, Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, and Brendan Gallagher. And Tatar and Gallagher are both Guys you can count on to get you 20, 25 goals. Uh, Deneau is one of the better defensive forwards in the NHL. It would be, as, a, as that writer suggested, a, a pretty good second line. But when you compare it to the first line and the, you know, the offensive abilities uh, on that unit with, with the Penguins, you know, left to right, Gensel, Crosby, Sherry, uh, it, it's pretty lopsided in, in the Penguins' favor. And it's really not that much different. Uh, the second lines uh, with uh, Jonathan Drouin and probably Nick Suzuki, if not Max Domi in the middle of that line, and Joel Armia, at least in uh, practices so far, has been on, on the right side of the Canadian second line. When you put that against Zucker, Malkin, and Brian Rust. Again, it skews pretty heavily in the Penguins' favor. So, all right, so the Penguins get the nod with forwards. I, like I said, the, the Penguins are ridiculously deep at forwards. So after this break, we are going to dive into, I think, in terms of playoff hockey, and Dave, you'll get a chance to maybe disagree with me. When it comes to defense and goalies, they can really turn the tide in a series. So we'll be right back after this break. And we're back, folks. Dave Molinari here talking to We've already broken down the forwards and the coaches between these two teams. We're looking at a head to head matchup sort of in a, in a way as much as you can in the sport of hockey. And now we're going to turn our attention to defense on Dave, before we get into this, don't you agree that playoff hockey, because it gets so tight, you know, it's, it's just, to me, it's not as free flowing. It's, it's a different game. And it wasn't until I got married and my wife was watching hockey with me. And I, I said, playoff hockey is a different beast, a good goalie that gets hot at the right time and defense that can really, clamp down on on the forwards can make a difference can it oh absolutely especially the goaltender 
Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's probably the biggest variable in any hockey game, but that's particularly true in, in the playoffs because they do tend to be lower scoring. Um, a goaltender who's on his game, really on his game, can make up for a lot of uh, lapses in front of him. And Carey Price is probably the biggest thing the Canadians have going for them in this series. And if they would somehow manage to pull an upset, I think that you would see Price's fingerprints all over it. Uh, if he doesn't have just an absolutely stellar series, it's hard to see how Montreal will be able to keep up with the Penguins. So let's assume that it's, but we'll go with goalies first. Let's let's, we know Carey Price is a, an all world talent. There's no denying that everyone knows that. If we're assuming that it's Matt Murray's net, is it even close if Matt Murray is on his game? Because Penguins fans know that Matt Murray can, he can be quite the dominant force himself. Oh, he absolutely can be. I mean, when you look, he uh, got shutouts, I believe, in the final two games of their most recent Stanley Cup final victory. Uh, that's being able to produce in, in a high-stakes setting. Uh, no question that Murray was not at his best for most of this season, and there's no guarantee that how he, or for that matter, any other player on, on any other team is going to perform coming out of this layoff because there's never been anything quite like it. But if he's at his best, he's certainly capable of, of playing at or very close to uh, Carey Price's level, certainly close enough to uh, pretty much negate uh, the advantage that, that Price is capable of giving his team. Yeah, so let's go to defense. Uh, with, a, with a healthy defensive group, I like the Penguins defenders. Um, everyone likes to bash on Jack Johnson. I don't think he's all that bad, especially since he's not going to be one of your top pairings, I wouldn't imagine. At, when they match up with the Canadians, where do you see the advantage? I think uh, much like with the forwards, it, it very much goes to uh, – to the Penguins, uh, as uh, you know, they the Canadians have have a a wonderful cornerstone defenseman in Shea Weber, but he's about to turn thirty five years old, and he's got some pretty hard miles on him. He still has one of the uh, the harder shots in the NHL, and he, he's very good in his own end, and his intangibles are outstanding but he's not quite the player he once was. Um, you know, they, they rely heavily on him. And, you know, the, the guys, the, the rest of their top four defensemen are capable. You know, they, they have some strengths, but, but they also have some significant flaws. His uh, Weber's partner, uh, Ben Sherratt, is a, a, a stay-at-home guy, which is, uh, you know, a nice compliment to to Weber's offensive game, but he can, he can still be a little bit unrefined in in his own end. is is capable of making some uh, mistakes at times, having some you know lapses in, in judgment and uh, and execution. And you know, I, the Penguins have forwards who could certainly exploit that sort of thing. Uh, their their second pairing is. Uh, 
Victor Mate, who's mobile and uh, has good puck skills and, and you know can can move it effectively, but is undersized. He's only five nine and I believe a, a bit less than one ninety, and that's not real good size for a defenseman in the NHL. And it, it can be tough to uh, to make up for that when you're uh, you're going against bigger forwards. And his partner is Jeff Petrie, who's he skates well and has has a good offensive game, but he can occasionally have have issues in the defensive zone as well. So, you know, when, when you're when you're trying to contend with the kind of forwards that that the Penguins can send out there, really not only on their top two lines, but they have a third line and even to some degree a fourth line that's capable of generating some offense. Uh, I, won't, I won't be surprised if they're able to exploit the, the Canadians' defense and really, you know, make life stressful for Carey Price. So it sounds like, in, court, in your opinion, I mean, it's pretty much outside of Carey Price. Like you said, it, the Penguins should have the clear advantage in this series. Uh, is there, outside of injury, is there any way that you could see the Penguins completely falling on their faces and losing the series? Well, again, you have to put the asterisk on this that nobody knows how teams are going to perform coming out of this layoff. Um, At at this point, you know, very early in training camp, uh, the Penguins seem to have, you know, the the appropriate mindset. Uh, They seem to have the motivation that that you would want to see from, from a team they seem to recognize the opportunity that's before them. And when, when you have on ice leaders like Crosby, who set a, pr- a pretty good tone uh, for work ethic, you have to believe that that, that will serve them well too. Uh, you never like to uh, say anything is ironclad. I mean, there's yeah. a reason they play the games. Yep. But if uh, if I were pressed to uh, make a wager on this series, I would like the Penguins in three, maybe four games if Carey Price uh, steals one for Montreal. But all told, if, if the Penguins are at their best and the Canadiens are at their best, it really shouldn't be a, an ultra-competitive series. Okay, that's great to hear, and Penguins fans will love to hear it. Reminder, that's a best of five. It's not a best of seven, this qualifying round. So uh, my last question for you, Dave, before we call it a show, is now that we have, and I say we as in the sports world, we have seen in Major League Baseball at, at summer camp. Uh, the NBA is in their bubbles already in Florida. Um, we have the Major League Soccer, although not as – prominent in the sports world is still a, a professional sports league that has actually had some games no seeing what you've seen knowing what we know and especially with the penguins and other the rest of the nhl teams that are still vying for the playoffs them being back at camp do you feel better that this thing is going to go off without a hitch and i'm meaning a, a you know a, a batch of coronavirus cases come up positive and all of a sudden it's shut turn the lights off it's over or do you think that this is hey i got a good feeling that this is going to be able to be a success i cannot tell you that i have a strong feeling that it's going to be a success i think that if teams can 
get to Toronto and Edmonton and get inside the bubbles there. Um, and then if people adhere to the rules, which might be a pretty big ask when you're talking about yeah. uh, young men with a lot of money, um, then yes, then, then I think they'll, they'll probably be able to pull it off with, uh, with a minimum of disruption. I have to believe there will be at least a few positive tests along the way. Yeah. Um, but I think the real challenge will be getting through these next 10 days to two weeks when teams are operating out of, you know, out of their home cities. Uh, most, if not all, are not quarantining their players. You know, they're giving them guidelines for, for staying out of high-risk situations. But as you saw with the Penguins at, at the start of camp, having nine players who were held out of drills um, because of concerns about a possible secondary exposure to someone, um, it, it doesn't take much to uh, to throw a wrench into into things. So I, I think it's it's far from certain that that this will come off. Well, fingers crossed. Let's hope that everything goes off without a hitch. We hope that everyone is safe. That's the most, that's that's paramount. We hope everyone's safe. We hope that there are you know no severe outbreaks. That everyone is. And like we said, there's probably a good chance that there's going to be a couple positives here or there, but let's hope the NHL has a plan in place, a protocol in place. It's going to be best for that situation. But ultimately, we hope that there's hockey back because it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, even from your couch or your living room watching just all these games. It's going to be great. Dave, I hope you get to Toronto. I hope you're there live. I hope that all the writers that are supposed to go and represent someone, a team from the United States, get there and are actually able to watch live because it does matter. Thank you for your time, Dave. Everyone that's listening, wherever you're listening, make sure you follow us at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, you name it. DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio is the name of the game. Check us out. In the meantime, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.